Link 3 started out as like more like a direct replacement for Linktree. So just to provide some background. So Linktree or Twitter profiles are easily easily controlled by scammers. Not controlled, but like I, I click on, I see like fake cyber connect Twitter all the time. And sometimes I even see like Linktree, imagine like Linktree being like more, more less prone to attacks and you I still see so many of them are just like scammers. Uh, so link three was more it started out as a verified identity. Like we want the official accounts of let's say Arbitrum, Optimism, all these protocols within the space to have their official account. Like they will point the audience to the right links. Like this is our official Discord instead of official Discord. This is our official Twitter and so on and so forth. Welcome to Web3 on Fire, where we take you on an inspiring journey through the ever-evolving world of Web3. In each episode, our host, Rob, delves into the heart of the latest innovations in decentralized technology, including account abstraction, smart accounts, aka smart contract wallets, and the future of work in the Web3 ecosystem. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Web3 on Fire. Today, we have Ryan Lee, co-founder of CyberConnect. And today, we're going to be talking about their platform, their social, decentralized social network, and their network protocol, as well as the varying parts to it that are a part of the protocol and the front ends, as well as their developer network to help people build on top of their platform. We'll get into a bunch of interesting topics like 4337, smart accounts and smart contracts as well. Um, so welcome to the show, Ryan. Hey, hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Absolutely. So before we get into some of the details about CyberConnect or even some of the other projects that you worked on, I'd love to find out a little bit more about yourself, your background in tech or just in building as a whole and what pilled you into crypto eventually. Yes. So I grew up just liking to build stuff. I happened to be lucky enough to be involved in a couple venture back startups since 2014. My first adventure was a social app, obviously, and then ended up exiting and going to a big tech. I worked at Google and Instagram for a bit before jumping ship to crypto in 2017. So I've been building full time in crypto since 2017 and before CyberConnect where there was a, another uh, content or creator focused crypto project that I worked on eventually got acquired and I think CyberConnect is just a bunch of ideas that I had throughout this last couple of years finally coming to one more complete format and it's about building definitely giving back ownership of the user's data, social profiles, social identity, content that they created, and monetization channels uh, in a format that developers can build easily on top. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm absolutely excited about getting into CyberConnect and decentralized social media and content. I'm hearing some details on that. Let's just roll back and talk about some of the projects that you worked on before and how those led to what you're doing now 
we have on in our kind of portfolio at Ambire, Evo had created his decentralized P2P uh, streaming platform, Streamio, which is still going. We have 30 million users. So I know that there was a streaming platform wow. in there. So a little bit of the background on your streaming platform or the other projects, how you stepped into that and were building that space. Yeah, so 20, 2017, I was at Instagram. I was building the iOS app and I was just super interested in content and creators. And my friend, my college friend, I stumbled upon some crypto-enabled content platforms. And we thought we could build something better there while really leveraging the microtransaction that crypto enables, as well as the global economy that crypto enables us to connect so much easier. And we built a blockchain, which is called Lino Network on Cosmos. So it's a high TPS content based, content focused like app chain. And then we have an app that's called DLive, it's a live streaming platform that we built on top. And DLive had uh, PewDiePie, the, like the world largest YouTuber stream with us for about a year in 2019. That's awesome. And he brought, yeah, he brought on hundreds of thousands of streamers. And then we had 30 million-ish monthly active and about more than a million daily at a time. And I think live streaming was a really good experiment for like donations and transaction based monetization model instead of like ads. So that played out pretty well in the crypto sense, right? Direct you support don't... to the creator. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and the platform doesn't take 70% away. Like what Twitch did. The entire was, the entire experience was uh, very good for creators and for us to learn about how different components work. Eventually we got acquired by BitTorrent. Yeah, so, what year was that a, a approximately in terms of when you started it and when it was acquired? We started in 2017. The platform was a test uh, almost entirely in 2018. And we launched on our own networks uh, early, late 2018. And then it got acquired early 2020. So about a year nice. since the full-blown public launch. And that's pretty awesome. That feels like pretty early days for streaming side plus putting the microtransactions the patreon model the same things that youtube and everybody else has acquired as a user flow or user ux for subscribing to and participating but obviously like you're saying they're taking all the fee did you feel at that point that it was something that was too early or did that acquisition you know, tell you that you were on the right path and set you with new learnings to then continue on and eventually do CyberConnect? i think the yeah Biggest, regardless of the result, like a couple of learnings were just very valuable. One is creators really care about their content. Like the PewDiePie uh, like joined us because at, a, at the time he got an offer for, you see the 3 million or 4.5 million from YouTube. And he joined us at a way less uh, commitment from us because he really believed in the decentralization like aspect of it. He got, he's like traffic got restricted by YouTube and then his deal blew up with Disney, if I remember correctly, just because of the, some stuff that he said during like one live stream, very arbitrary. And he really liked the idea of, oh, creator owned platform versus YouTube owned. For creators. a litany of reasons, the censorship resistance, all sorts right. of cancel, plus also monetization and 
forms, yeah, payment right. forms being shut off, et cetera, where you have no control over those things. Yeah. yeah and any modernization happens in a very much opaque format, right? You have some commitment from YouTube and then some ad stuff you also are committed to doing, right? Instead of this more direct monetization between the creators and the fans who enjoy it. I think that's, so the one, again, the one, one, big, one of the biggest lessons is the creators do really care. They really care about monetization. They really care about how they can hold on to their creator, hold on to their fans. Like, uh, there were, I don't know if you remember, like Ninja jump ship from Twitch to was a mixer and then that didn't work out. Platforms had way too much power and yeah, so that was, that was like well, the first biggest learning. And the second learning was the live streaming is burning cash. So that's, even if we do it again, I wouldn't think live streaming would be the, like, live streaming have the best format for monetization because people do donate all the time. But at the same time, well, it costs so much Data to stream. Very data heavy. So if there were, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, just going to pull up or bring up the Zuckerberg and Lex Friedman podcast interview where they were using the 3D metaverse avatars and only sending essentially telemetry data across, which was very interesting. So like locally stored as the 3D photogrammetry model and then it's just the telemetry and the movement of the mesh, et cetera. So that it's way more cost effective or cost efficient or data efficient than pure video stream, even in its most compressed form. So that, that's definitely going to be an interesting. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. And there are projects that solve, trying to solve the so WebRTC is probably the streaming, like the peer-to-peer streaming, if we're on this podcast. And then there's another protocol that's handling, like if you're streaming to 100,000 people. And that's like extremely costly. So I think that also explains why there are only probably Twitch and probably one more com- company. Like, I don't think it's a good, good business, good, good business to be in, in general, but anyway, so that kind of led to why also we built CyberConnect where we don't, I think the fundamental pieces are users own their, their content, users only their audience, no matter if it's a creator or just a regular user who wants to connect with their friend and then giving up the opportunity for developers to build innovative apps and live streaming is one of the apps that someone can be more cost efficiently or have a better business model than like they could have a higher transaction volume per hours of streams that could work out. But the fundamental pieces are creators only in their audience and only in their data. So I think that's like the approach that we're taking right now from the lessons that we learned from our previous one. Yeah, I mean, it's really exciting to the transactional data as well. I'm not sure exactly what data, obviously your followers, your content, but also what about the kind of retweet or repost or collect type of function? How does Cyber, so why don't we just go ahead and dive into CyberConnect and maybe we should just give an overview of the platform and the protocol itself and run us through the various features and functions so CyberConnect has a couple components. First of all, it's the cyber graph. It's a social graph, a set of smart contract that consists, like that makes up the whole data, like the layer for users to own, create, update, 
modify their data. And when I say data, first and foremost, there is an account. Users will have an account that they take with them to every platform or every app that's built on Cyber Connect. And is what we call Cyber ID. It's like a name. It's very simple NFT. Users can acquire those NFTs to represent a name. And then there is a set of smart contracts that enables creators. So every cyber account has the ability to create content and that will create a piece of content other people can mint as a content NFT. Aside from content, there is a, what we call West. So what we call a Web3 status token. It's like a, it's like a badge or status token. We like to call it status token because we're all just a status monkey when it's trying to build up some kind of status. So you can issue, as a company, you can issue a form of a status token for other people to claim it. Like I'm a co-founder of CyberConnect or I'm a contributor to Ethereum. And then when you follow each other, you will be able to establish the connections on this protocol, on this smart contract as well. We only focus on the monetizable types. So when you subscribe to someone, you will be going into this transaction where the subscription is prepaid. You have to prepay a couple months of subscription so that you can access the premium type of content that only the subscribers can access. So that's like the graph itself. And then aside from the graph, there is what we call, I, I've talked about in cyber accounts, but that cyber account is more of a very separate set of smart contracts that makes users onboarding so much easier. It's a 427 compatible wallet under the hood. So users don't need to really care about which chain they're on, what gas they need to acquire. And it's so much easier for them to onboard, not exclusively through MetaMask, users still onboard, can onboard through MetaMask if they're familiar with Web3. If they're not, there are other social login methods that they can do. So I, we want to push the boundary of, of Web3 a little bit more towards regular people so that, I mean, social is about the experience, not about making money entirely here. We need to really lower the entry barrier otherwise. It's really hard for them to download them in mass. Yeah. Ambire, we're a smart contract wallet. So 4337 is our absolute friend and the ability to import those EOA accounts through signing so that then you can you know, use them with the smart contract. So that's really cool that you have multiple entry points as well. So you still have the account abstraction piece in there for social account login, and then you can still support the EOA. Very cool. Yep. You're absolutely right. So now the pieces that we're talking about, so we've got the account, cyber account side. So those are the set of smart contracts. And I think that this is actually quite different than some of the other competitors that are building Lens Protocol, for instance. It's on a specific L2, but also the way in which they're deploying is through traditional EOA accounts. So it doesn't have that smart contract component. And the way that your, let's just say, wallet interactions and transactions are flooded is very different than the native 4337 experience that I imagine that is part of the CyberConnect experience as a whole. Yeah, you're right. I think while we focus on being multi-chain, like we want, like social isn't limited to one chain or users don't care about the chain. However, the developers do want 
we want developers to build on Cyberpunk, no matter which chain their other functionality you want to live on. You can be a base chain developer and you still want to leverage the existing data that we have and trying to, it's like Facebook, Facebook power is not only just games, but also they can power other social apps and you can't just limit them to one type of developer. So multi-chain is a must for us. And then the cyber account also acts as a great uh, abstraction around the multi-chain, right? Because you're not directly interacting as a UA on one chain now. You're going through the 47 route. You just don't need to really worry about what chain they're on. They don't have to use their MetaMask to switch network all the time. So those are, I think, the benefits. Uh, the host system is just more uh, robust and future-proof in some ways, right? That you can plug in more components and have different plugins on uh, the authentication layer, the execution layer, and also the gas sponsorship is a separate path now. So everything is more composable. I was just going to mention the gas list and the gas abstraction piece. So maybe you could give us a little uh, more detail on that because that's obviously a huge part of 4337 and is very exciting. Yeah, I, yeah. Empire will definitely had a lot of experience on, on this before. We, we're, our take is more the gear, gear towards how cyberpunk works, right? You have a social experience that users probably don't know about gas or they wouldn't want to pay gas all the time or they wouldn't want to sign a transaction all the time. So the way to get around one user, like you better your experience to like making sense of all this money spent on collecting someone's post is through the gas sponsorship that's enabled by 437, right? You can, so the way we do it right now is we first separate the gas sponsorship entirely out of the user normal flow. Right now, users have to prepay. So right now, users prepay. It's like back in the internet, like early internet days, you prepay a month of internet usage and then you can use it whatever up until you, you burn out all your gas prepaid. But then that gas abstraction can be, we can invite more players into it, right? You, as a developer, you can say, oh, I'll just write, I'll write sponsor more gas to my users. So I can deposit them, each one of them, $10 credit. Or you can do more interesting stuff. Like we work with L2s. Sometimes the L2s will say all of our users they're then going through our L2 is entirely free. So there's more programmability on how gas are used. We've seen recently more interesting use cases, like some LSD platforms want to say, because the gas is also in ETH and they're generating yield on ETH LSD, like liquid stake. Maybe they don't need to pay gas altogether. So there's so many interesting methods that we can help users navigate gas so much easier. Yeah, it creates all these new opportunities for UX, XD, that really just gets this experience down to the 20 year plus history of web 2.0. Remember the point of Right, I grew up with like modem, right? You have to use your, your phone line, you're paying phone lines on that. And later on, when you go to try some, I would play some games, online games, obviously at the time. And those games require you to buy third, like one hour period play time. I don't know if you remember those days, like it's kind of crazy. It's before, it's even before like farm building, like really early. And then 
we see that as also the progression with, with wallets, like transaction is a scarce utility at this rate, it's a scarce resource right now. It's like how internet, like the packets and the bytes going through the wires is scarce to start with. And then infrastructure will develop, but at the same time, the UX has to be like, it has to work in small steps. You can't just imagine, oh, let's not care about gas anymore. That wouldn't financially make sense as well. Yeah, the incremental steps is really good. Taking these iterative steps as well, understanding not just what's possible and the cool new features and technologies that are enabled by new standards, but rather than how you can actually solve the problem of the users through the business with these new technologies and then coming up with interesting narratives to help people to truly understand or obfuscate it behind user user functions or UI to help them to understand and just do the function without needing to understand what's happening behind the scenes. Uh, so that's exactly. lovely. Love anything that can help improve Web3 user experience and bring more people on. <clears throat> Let me see. Um, let's think, actually, let's take everyone through the path that a user would go through to onboard, including what are the types of, let's say, maybe Sybil resistance or the DID, the decentralized identifier, and, and the ceramic side, how, how are those technologies utilized to end up giving the user a smooth experience, but also protecting the network at the end of the day as well? Yeah, I can. Let's walk through one example, like one app that's built on top. That's our own app, which is called Link3, Link3.2. It's Web3 LinkedIn type of app where companies have their profiles and users have their profiles linking back to the company, their work experience, their organizations belonging, and then companies can create blog posts like LinkedIn feed, but all in the, all on chain and users can easily verify that instead of on LinkedIn where you just can basically bullshit your entire, but so. User flow on Linktree is users would sign up, create a cyber account under the hood. Either, so currently we only support MetaMask, but eventually the social login will be supported. And after that, users will create their profile. Creating an account is on a CyberConnects protocol. CyberConnects protocol is entirely permissionless. However, the apps on top has their own moderation. And as you said, civil resistant components to it because CyberConnect doesn't really have Sybil proof, like Sybil protection in baked in the protocol on top of an application layer, they can use other protocols that help with Sybil proof. And anyone will sign up through uh, link three, creating a cyber account, the hood, they will create their link three profile, which is more application specific profile. These are shared on cyber connect protocol to other apps, but we know any app developer would know that user data originates from link three. And then users will be able to link their Twitter Twitter profile to Link3. So that's one form of verification already. We require every organization to must link their official Twitter. So that will help us prevent scammers and random people signing up for random names. And then when users engage in any activity on Link3, let's say if you want to comment 
on a blog post that CyberConnect posted, uh, there are other application-specific ways to prevent attacks. We have one interesting feature is auto-generated quizzes. So every blog post, if you want to collect on them or if you want to comment on them, you have to answer auto-generated, like, what is this post of the goods five-question quiz generated by ChatGPT. Some, like, application-specific features to help. And then on Sibokrova, as you said, we work really closely with the Gitcoin Passport uh, and various other Sibyl, like existing Sibyl Pro approaches. Uh, how hot did their Sibyl, like, what, what do they call it, like censorship. And then there's like the option of one. Yeah, we work with, we aggregate all different Sibyl, existing Sibyl lists. And then at the same time, we have our own uh, heuristics on detecting Sibyl so that the entire platform is more robust as a whole. And yeah, that's like a user journey and how much of that information is like on the protocol side versus on the app side. But eventually any developer can easily build on top of this existing database of, of information that we help users collect. I think on this specific topic, let's dive a little bit further into Link3 since it is a product come from CyberConnect. It's obviously a super interesting engagement platform and has to do with essentially Sybil resistance and getting more engagement as well as showing what you've done. Can you talk about the incentive and campaign side of that? Because I think that's a really important and interesting piece that helps companies connect with their community and users, et cetera. Yeah, Link3 started out as like more like a direct replacement for Linktree. So just to provide some background. So Linktree or Twitter profiles are easily easily controlled by scammers. Not controlled, but like I click on, I see like fake cyber connect Twitter all the time. And sometimes I even see like linked creeps. Imagine like linked creep being like more, more, less prone to attacks. And you, I still see so many of them are just like scammers. Uh, so link three was more, it started out as a verified identity. Like we want the official accounts of, let's say, Arbitrum, Optimism, all these protocols within the space to have their official account. Like they will point the audience to the right links. Like this is our official Discord instead of official Discord. This is our official Twitter and so on and so forth. So if you go on link3.to slash, let's say, oh, what let's say Zerion, uh, the wallet, or you go on link3.to slash CyberConnect, you'll see the official, the official company's page. And now we have about almost 3,000 companies have their page on us. So that's nice. Everyone can check the verifiable, the verifiable identities. And then you said linking. So the second feature that we introduced to Link3 was online event scheduler, like a calendar. You were, as an organization, especially in our industry, people like to do events. Like people like to do gathering either in, in person or online. So in the formats of animated Discord channels, and we help organizations publish them, have a calendar of what's happening, and invite their users to sign up, RSVP to these different events. And we will have we'll have that whether the users actually show up and for how long. And depending on the criteria that the organization sets, users can claim a, West, a status token that I talked about. So I, to prove that oh, I was 
here at CyberConnect's weekly community call, or I was here at Envy, whatever uh, AMA with like whoever you guys are inviting. So that's the dynamics where it both it boosts some engagement. People are having fun collecting these wests, and the most most importantly is it builds up the provenance of a project. That these are the the steps that they took along the way. Yeah, so I think that's like a quick overview of how what LinkedIn does. And also the, the we extended it to to blog posts that I said, like organizations do post content here as if they were just posting on link, LinkedIn and then users can engage with them by liking them, commenting them and collecting them as a piece. Nice. Yeah, that's a great piece so that you can actually verify these things and as you've seen the need or um, these ideas appear or emerge out of needs, you're able to fulfill them. Now on that same kind of engagement topic, how does, how has the engagement through rewards or the community reward side been all in the same vein of creating an engaged community that participates in these types of things that you put out, but also maybe participates in user feedback or product feedback and any of the other fun stuff that, that helps the product grow? Just so you're, the question is about the rewards. Yeah, like the community reward side from previous engagement, pre previous incentive campaigns, and how that evolved in terms of your need for either community engagement, again, a, a, along those same lines of, of your engaged community and them helping to spread the product or remain engaged in some sort of form of feedback or participation. On the CyberConnect level or on each individual? Yeah, on the CyberConnect level, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, we did have a community rewards with the Cyber Token launch. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, exactly. Because there's been such a long roadmap. It's the same with ours. We had early adopter rewards wow. when we put out our wallet for the first time. And those were interesting community engagements with groups like Cyber Crypto Testers or Lobster Dow. And if you were participating in their communities, we brought those people in to help us, but also just those fun, interesting things, especially when you were first starting and you were throwing out crazy ideas and seeing what stuck and, and, and such. Um, so anything like that in terms of as you were first starting to grow it, what were some of those maybe failures or successes in terms of engaging with your community? I think we have absolutely amazing community just to start with that. A lot of the community members have been with us since two and a half years ago, almost three years ago. Oh, nice. now it's yeah, almost three years ago. We started exactly October of September 2021. I lost track of time already. <laughs> Basically, these people have been with us for so long, and we always recognize like a lot of the different steps that we took, and also like the contribution that each community member made throughout this entire journey, a couple things that we think in the long term will help the protocol to grow. So first is building out the initial user base on in terms of like signups and uh, being active in, in, in on the product on either on CyberConnect protocol or on any of the apps, including Link3 that's built on top. So we did have its incentives or rewards for those early supporters of the network. It's like Facebook incentivizing the first 1 million users who have made 20 friends on Facebook similar in the similar thoughts so that it ensures the long-term sustainability of the protocol. 
And then we also had the incentives for our uh, account users or our, our wallet users uh, for them to adopt uh, the accounts and then to further use it more along the line, like as CyberConnect introduces more features. Uh, other than that, we gave out rewards for some supporters when they actually purchased some names with us, like when they actually put in not just the time, but also some of their or their beliefs that these things leads to more premium services uh, within CyberConnect. Yeah, so I think that's basically all like assuring that the network will be Actually, the network effect comes earlier than a traditional protocol, traditional platform would work. Yeah, I think having community and us essentially moving from early customer days of large corporations and brands that had customers, Web 2.0 introduced us to our users, which they truly were users, not customers. You remember your first user of your product because they signed up and you got an email saying that you had a brand new user, your first one and really caring about user-centered design. And as we move into community-owned and member-owned cows, et cetera, that impetus put on the individual and their feedback and them being an integral part is that much more important, which is exciting. And having the tools to really track and understand engagement, how they've um, interacted with your product, with your community, their contributions is so much more important. Did, so currently, are there, is there a catalog of your dApps that have, that are built on CyberConnect and what does that look like currently or is Link, uh, Link 3, uh, the current front end that's built off of CyberConnect? There are a couple of apps that's built on top of CyberConnect. Link 3 is the one that we built. Uh, there is, uh, there are about 30 projects built on CyberConnect and a couple of them are uh, more graduated out of that's like the venture backed and becoming their with a good audience like Ver is one of them Redon is one of them uh, there are smaller ones like this what we call uh, what we call more like in incubating projects through, through our hackathons um, there's one called Cyber Tool it's for musicians to or just artists to create content there are a lot of bigger roles of, of non-social apps that they use like CyberConnect social graph to power their apps or like login with CyberConnect, finding your finding someone with their social CyberConnect's name. There are apps called a huddle with a decentralized Twitter space or uh, that, that enables users to log in with CyberConnect. And then there is the also like a payment type of product that you can directly pay someone to their CyberConnect name to find that person by their cyber connection. Oh, yeah, we have a decent amount of developers. Big, the big push right now is as we're iterating CyberConnect, we want to make sure every iteration is easier for developers to work on. And we will push further as we test out each iteration and we have better materials and better use cases for them to quickly onboard. And yeah, so now not only the social graph, but also the wallet or the account is a great, is a great integrating surface or like a design surface. I think more and more developers will start building on top uh, as we approach more stable releases, iteration. Nice. 
you had mentioned hackathons as maybe also a way in which that you had learned about uh, the world of blockchain and crypto as a whole. You all have done hackathons. It's like in order to help developers understand your tools, what are some ways that people, whether they be developers or just people that want to participate in the community can get involved with CyberConnect at some level, whether that be dev or just join the community, et cetera? Yeah, I think we'll go on link to slash CyberConnect. That's like the, all the verified links. Or if you want to just go on Twitter to find CyberConnect HQ, that's our official Twitter. And you will also find all the links that leads you to either our Discord. We have about 20,000 people in our Discord. Pretty all the best community I could imagine. And then you can go to our, our sites to look for any developer docs. There are two docs, actually. One is docs.cyberconnect.me, which is the just more social graph focused one. And then there's this doc.cyber.co, which is on for wallet type of uh, developer integration. And yeah, we're actively looking for ambassadors and also just community members who want to be part of this journey in any capacity. So feel free to DM me on Twitter or Telegram. I'm, I'm Ryan Lee underscore me on Twitter. Awesome. Do you have any upcoming events, hackathons, activations, new campaigns that are rolling out? Anything you want to share or announce? We, I unfortunately can't, can't share too much right now, but stay tuned for DevConnect. So Istanbul around November 13th. That will be, uh, we will announce something there. Alpha leak, alpha leak. We'll make sure we get this episode out before uh, you all go to DevConnect. We, Ambire, will be there as well in Istanbul. So we'd love to connect our team. I think we have five or six people that will be there. So we'll definitely try and make a oh, connection nice. happen there. Nice. Are you, um, set, do you have a booth set up for DevConnect? Unfortunately, no. I will be speaking at a couple uh, events though. Excellent. Make sure to send those over to us or tag us and we'll definitely retweet them as again, we'll be there too and happy to share. We love anybody in 4337, smart account, smart contract side, and just anybody that's helping improve just general web three user experience and creating these decentralized open graphs that help enable developers to create all these, these wonderful tools and experiences that ultimately benefit the end user, the creators. <laughs> and this general economy. So with that, is there anything else that you just like to add to bumper this? Otherwise, I really enjoyed the conversation and it's been wonderful having you on. No, I would love, yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. And like, thanks be, thanks to you guys for being so early on 47 and and all this great stuff that you guys been shipping at Empire. I'm looking forward to just seeing you guys more in person and building more stuff. Awesome. Love the sentiment and it's reflected. And with that, thank you again so much and look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you, Rob. All right. Cool. I'm just going to go ahead and stop this and then it's going to.